0: Hi there. Welcome in. It is downtown. The podcast episode 68 coming to you from the zone radio studios in Bangor, Maine. I'm Rich Kimball here with Kerry Haskell and we're brought to you every week by cross insurance where security meets strength. On this week's edition of the program, we'll talk with the country music legend, whispering Bill Anderson and a famous face for more than four decades now, From his work in the 70s and 80s on the tv series happy days his long success as a director and also a brand new product that he's put together anson williams coming up in the second half of the program but let's get it underway by talking with a a man who has been making great country music for more than five decades now seven number ones in his career and countless chart hits that he's written for other people as one of the most famous songwriters in all of music history. He's been a talk show host as well, an actor, and an all round good guy. The great Bill Anderson had a chance to talk with him recently, and here's our conversation. I believe either the first or second interview I ever did in my radio career was with you some 40 many years ago.
1: Well, if your career survived that, then you're, you've done
0: well. <laughs> well, it was either you or Sonny James, and, and all I came away remembering was, man, if everybody is as nice as those two guys, this will be a pretty easy gig. Oh,
1: my goodness, where were you then?
0: Right here. I'm gone anywhere. That's my career. I've crossed town in 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big town. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I want to talk with you first of all about uh, the wonderful Ken Burns documentary on country music. We've talked to Ken about it and Roseanne Cash and-, and Kathy Matea. How did you get involved in that project?
1: Well, I got a phone call through my uh, publicist, I guess, was how it started back in the beginning. It's been, golly, what, four or five years ago, I guess, since I uh, uh, recorded my part and heard what uh, what was going down, that he was doing it. And i uh, such a big fan of ken burns and his work Uh, i'm a big baseball fan and of course i followed his uh, baseball documentary and i thought anything ken burns puts his hand on and i got a chance to be a part of it i want to take advantage of that so i was tickled to death that i got the call
0: and so uh, obviously as a fan of his uh, you had a pretty good idea that he would cover the task thoroughly but boy it's such a, a big subject but from what i've seen he managed to touch all the bases
1: willie really did uh he he's just uh, he's just the best at, at what he does and and surrounds himself with uh, with people Dayton Duncan who uh, wrote the mm. uh I guess the script as it were there's no script really but he edited it and all and uh they they're just such consummate professionals it was it was so much fun to work with them and and uh, and, and to, to just to watch the way that they did things it was just top-notch all the way
0: Well, and it really reminds us that the story of country music is in many ways the story of America. People growing up in uh, all kinds of diverse backgrounds but found their way to this music, and and the story continues. But uh, it really is a remarkable piece that he's put together. We had a chance to watch the whole thing, and I can't wait for the rest of the country to see it in September.
1: Well, I can't either because I think it's going to – I was thinking earlier today, knowing that we were going to talk about this, I was thinking, you know – I think this documentary will, will kind of uh, kind of affirm to, to my generation, the older generation, that, that what we thought country music was and is uh, really did happen. We're going to actually <laughs> see this footage, and, and to the younger audience, it's going to say, hey, country music was here long before Garth Brooks came along and i think that no disrespect to garth whatever whatsoever because i love him and love what he's done for our format but i'm just saying that country music history is is rich and and deep and uh, i I think it's going to kind of bring it home to to all generations
0: well the other part that i think is very poignant is that so many people that canon is people interviewed have passed away since those interviews, one of them uh, uh, being your friend Mac Wiseman. You had a wonderful tribute to him on your website, and it really creates a historical record for those members of the country music family who are no longer with us.
1: Well, it does, and uh, that will strike both a a chord of nostalgia, I think, and and maybe a a note of sadness as we realize that uh, we have lost so many of the people who contributed so much to this format.
0: Bill, want to talk about your remarkable career, and um, the, my, there's a reason you're so good with us radio guys, because you started out in the business uh, back in Georgia.
1: <laughs> I had a 1,000-watt daytime AM radio station. <laughs> <laughs> that On a good day, you could pick it up 30 miles down the road. <laughs> but uh, I, I love radio, and I envy you guys that get to work in it on a daily basis because uh, it was in my blood from a very early age, and and it's still in my blood. I, I love radio and love the fact that that it uh, provided me with a great foundation for being in the music business.
0: Of course, while you were working in radio, uh, you wrote a little tune. It, it did fairly well. City Lights certainly opened up a lot of doors for you.
1: I've heard that song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boy, it did open up the doors. It, it really did. Of course, I wrote it up on top of a little tiny three-story hotel in a little town called commerce georgia had no idea the night that i put it down on the back of an old radio station envelope it was going to do what it did and uh, and be the catalyst the jumping off place for a for a career that i hadn't even dreamed of at that point but it just goes to show in this crazy business you know it just just one little thing like that can just turn the so your whole world upside down, and that's
0: what it did for me. Well, it led you to move to Nashville, eventually signing with Decca Records, and then a remarkable string of hits. Uh, so many of them are just classics, so like Tip of My Fingers, of course, Poe Folks, Mama Sang a Song, and then for you, none bigger than Still, which became a huge crossover hit as well. Did you ever think, growing up in South Carolina, that uh, you'd be played on those rock and roll stations?
1: <laughs> they used to tell me, they'd say, Anderson, you couldn't go pop with a mouthful of firecrackers. But uh, I proved them wrong once. <laughs> uh, you just never know.
0: <laughs> We're talking with Bill Anderson here on Downtown. You had a great string of uh, duet hits in the 60s with Jan Howard. It's so good to see her on the Ken Burns series as well, later with Mary Lou Turner. What's Is it, is it different uh, being a good duet partner. What's the key to that? Because you were one of the most successful.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I was very blessed. I had two uh, wonderful duet partners, two great ladies, and uh, and had a, at least one number one record with both of them. You know, I don't know. You you The duet thing is, it's you learn to do a little more give and take, I guess, maybe, than you do when you're just working on your own or just recording on your own. You have to kind of... Uh, certainly consider the other person and their viewpoints and their their input and and jan and mary lou both but neither one of them was afraid to stand up and say hey i think we ought to do it like this or no i don't think we ought to do it this way and, and i was just so fortunate to uh, to be able to work with with each one of them i had seven years with jan and seven years with mary lou and uh and i wouldn't take anything for for either one of those
0: do you think of yourself first as a singer or as a songwriter
1: Oh, golly, I don't, I don't know. Songwriter, probably, because songwriting is what opened the doors for me and, and allowed me to become a performer and do some things. Uh, I'm not a great singer, technically. I know that. I I have a style, and I've been able to develop a style. Uh, I guess, if uh, you know, if I were to fall over dead tomorrow, and I hope I don't, uh, <laughs> I think the thing that... Uh, that I would be remembered for, if anything, would probably be the songs, first and foremost. Yeah.
0: Well, And so many classics that others have recorded. Uh, Connie Smith's two biggest hits, Cincinnati, Ohio, Once a Day, uh, Two Teardrops for Steve Warner, uh, music uh, that has been recorded by the likes of Kenny Chesney, Brad Paisley, Allison Krauss, and, and still out there writing songs and recording Uh, with some of today's biggest country stars, uh, the Jamie Johnsons of the world. They all want to record with Whispering Bill.
1: Well, well, I want to record with them, too. And as long as they want to do it, I'll try to do my part. I love being around some of these young, new writers and performers because uh, I I learn from them. They say they learn from me, and if they do, that's great. But when I can get with one of these, these, uh, these young writers, and I've been writing with several of them that, that you haven't even heard of yet that I think some that you're going to uh it it it's a it it, it energizes me it's like hey you know uh, these kids weren't even born when city lights came out or when still came out and here we are sitting down together trying to create something for their fans and for my fans it it energizes me it really does and and I enjoy the fact that I've been able to do it as long as I have.
0: You've also had a very successful second career on television as a a TV talk show host, a game show host, and even, uh, what was it, two or three years doing daytime drama.
1: (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Call it a soap opera. (laughs) My whole life, people ask me about being at the soap opera, which was a show called One Life to Live on ABC. People say, you were in a soap opera. I say, my whole life has been a soap opera. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) that was fun. You know, I knew nothing about game shows. I knew nothing about soap operas. And all of a sudden found myself in the middle of them. And and I treated it as part of the learning process. You know, learn something every day if you can. And and I learned uh, that, that those are two terrific worlds full of a lot of great and talented people, and I was just glad to get to kind of stick my nose in the door there
0: for a while. (laughs) Well, you've also done a a show that I think, uh, much like what Ken Burns is doing, uh, is a great testament to the history of country music and uh, the country's family reunion on RFD-TV. I I can't get enough of it. I love it. It's great to see all all the giants of country music uh, together with some of the youngsters, And, and man, it's a great education and some amazing memories as well.
1: Well, I agree with you. I've got the great education out of it. Just uh, somebody asked me the other day, said, uh, do you ever, do you learn anything when you go in there? I said, I learned something every time somebody opens their mouth. Because uh, even though I know these people and, and I've crossed paths with them, a lot of them for years and years, they'll come up with something as we sit there in that circle and say, by the way, did I ever tell you about the time? And then here comes something that is brand new to me. So I really enjoy doing that show. we been doing it now for a little over 22 years and i hope we can
0: continue uh your latest album just called anderson because when you've been around as long as bill anderson you don't even need you can just be one name now but it's that's tremendous music i love it
1: thank you i appreciate it i i enjoy working on this project i worked with a uh, peter cooper who's a dear friend and who helped me uh, write my uh, autobiography back in 2016 peter helped produce this record along with a very talented uh, musician and engineer here in town named Tom Utes. It was a it was a fun project to work on. A little more acoustical oriented, I guess, than some of the other things I've done over the years. But it was a fun project to do. And yeah, we we spent a lot of creative energy coming up with the name for that album.
0: <laughs> and uh, you're you're not taking any time off. You're playing the opera this weekend.
1: Well, I love the opera. Love the fact that they still let me go out there and uh, and get on the stage and. Try to entertain the people, and I still do 30, 35 uh, tour dates a year, uh, kind of at a pace where I can manage it. I'm not out there 200 days like I used to be, like these young people are. I will let them do that, but I still enjoy going out and meeting the people and visiting with them. I I don't know what I would do if I if I weren't doing that. I, I I'm not the kind to of sit around and twiddle my thumbs, and and uh, and I still enjoy it. And as long as the good Lord grants me good enough health to continue to do it, then that's what I'm
0: going to do. Well, speaking of the Opry, one of my favorite moments in that Ken Burns series is you telling the story about the opening of the new Opry after the after the Ryman was closed, and what a terrific story that was.
1: Thank you. Well, that, that is etched very deeply in my mind, uh, that, that particular night and the time that I that I went out front to watch the the opening of it. I thought I'll only have one chance in my lifetime to see this, and I want to see it. And I stood out there in the audience and had tears running down my face. And then all of a sudden, I remembered that the artists were going to be on in alphabetical order. My name starts with an A, so I better. <laughs> <get> back <stage. laughs>
0: Now we know you're a big baseball guy. Are you a Braves fan? Well, I grew up
1: in Atlanta, spent most of my growing up years around there, and I've gotten to know a lot of the people in the Braves organization over the years, and, yeah, I'm a big Braves fan, very much so, and excited. They've uh, they've got a young, uh, exciting team this year. They'll give you a heart attack about the eighth inning every night. <laughs> when, you, when They have to call on their bullpen, but uh, but it's fun to follow them, and uh, I've got a lot of good friends on the team and, and in the organization.
0: Well, Bill, we we need to catch up more frequently than every 45 years or so. It's been wonderful to talk with you again. Thank you so much for making time with us.
1: Well, thank you, Rich. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's try to do it before another 45 years go by while we can still remember what we're trying to talk
0: about. That is Bill Anderson here on Downtown, the podcast again that Ken Burns Country Music Special premieres September 15th on PBS Nationwide. When we come back, some happy days and more with actor, director, and businessman Anson Williams.
2: Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We're proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit crossinsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.
1: Monday, happy days. happy
0: days. The Back in the 1970s, our next guest became a star as... Warren Potsey Weber. Did, did you know the character's first name was Warren, Carey? <laughs> I would not have been able to get the first name. The last name I did know. <laughs> of course, Happy Days became a huge success, and Anson Williams became a much beloved figure. Since then, he's gone on to a very successful career as a director with a long list of television shows that he's helmed, and he's also been quite successful as a businessman as well, and we talked about all of those phases of his career with anson williams anson thanks for being with us oh thanks for having me we uh, want to talk about a number of things with you but but starting with your latest entrepreneurial effort uh, a product designed to uh, help people avoid drowsy driving and i understand that it was a personal experience of yours that led to this
2: it totally was actually a couple of decades ago um i had uh i a show uh and it was it was a desert area outside of la very hot day exhausting day and then driving back it's like a black curtain came down i fell asleep just dozed off at the wheel ended up three seconds later bouncing around in the desert almost killed myself thank god no one else was around nothing happened but my second cousin who i've called uncle since I was born, it was, it was Dr. Henry Heimlich, famous for the Heimlich Maneuver. Mm. And Henry was, really, really understands sensory connection of the body and all these all this pretty much old science. And he recommended that I cut up lemons and keep them with me on difficult days. And he explained that if I fit into it when I felt this exhaustion, the sour citrus and the citric acid hit the lingual nerve on top of the tongue. And the automatic reflex reaction of the body is adrenaline. You're up, you're alert instantly. Nothing in your system. Just like going to the doctor with a, you know, they have the, the little rubber mallets and they check the reflexes. Same thing, except the reflex action is from the tongue to the brain, and the automatic reaction is adrenaline. And I did that for years, and it really uh, stopped the problem. And then through the years, I not only only was I in entertainment, I, I, I got very interested in creating products that were problem solvers in many areas of life. And uh, I was looking into the catastrophic problem of drowsy driving, which is up there with guns. There's more death, more tragedy than drunk driving and medicated driving combined. 168 million-plus drowsy drivers. A year. One out of five falling asleep at the wheel. Um, it's just a crazy, crazy problem. And I thought to myself... I, you know, in the, with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, this is something we can really solve. So I called Dr. Heimlich with this idea of creating an alert drop spray, where you just spray the right amount of citric acid, the right amount of sour lemon, right on top of your tongue, and I said, and it would be an instant wake up. It would be an instant clarity to not, you know, run off the road or hit someone or whatever. And he agreed. He said, absolutely, it will save more lives in the hunt maneuver. And he helped me. We created Alert Drop, which is really just a powerhouse lemon in the spray. And and a couple of sprays on the, on the middle of the top of your tongue, and you're alert, you're ready to go, nothing in your system, and a life to save.
0: And it's an all-natural all product, right, with no caffeine?
2: No caffeine, no stimulants, no nothing. And um, we've already been honored by the U.S. Congress, by the California State Senate, City of L.A., fire departments, police departments. But more importantly, it's already helped of so so many people also we found it's incredibly helpful to college students uh the main problem in college is these kids go to the hospital because they uh they take too much caffeine in their system they take energy drinks and they're basically poisoning their system and system to stay up and they're ending up in the hospital so alert jobs is wonderful actually for anything where you need to be alert whether it's your job whether you know anywhere anytime you need clarity alert chops comes in handy so um yeah so it became a very emotional um endeavor for me not only you know first of all exhaustion is a huge part of the problem in america right now and uh we have a way of like you know stopping tragedy because of it
0: do i remember right that you mentioned you were directing a show i think if i I remember right i read it was one of my favorite shows though it was only on for a season dabney coleman and slap maxwell
2: Yes, that's the show. I was directing Splat Maxwell, and, um, yeah, I did six or seven of them. And, and anyway, and it was a really it, – it, it, we were faking Texas in Palmdale, California, which is just outside of L.A., and it was just an exhausting, you know, hot day. And driving back home after the shoot, you know, I blacked out. I fell asleep. Yeah.
0: Well, people can get more information. You've got a website, alert drops com. Uh, another one of your entrepreneurial efforts is also Bogo List. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Well, Bogo List, is, which is interesting, um, you know, Bogos buy one get one, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a site where people can just go and, and find the best two for one deals, you know, everywhere in one place? And basically, it's it's it, it's it's literally a roadmap. map. You go there, and for that day, there's the best buy one get one in every category of life. A dollar and, and have a more productive life at a reasonable cost. So we created Vogelist so people can go there and um, and just find their uh, their um, you know buy one get ones for the day.
0: I know you've talked about how important Gary Marshall was to you in your career and in your life. What was it? Does it go back to Gary? Uh, was it Gary who stimulated your interest in the business world and getting involved in that?
2: He was a he was a, a, a huge inspiration for it. Uh, he saw I had it. He he he, he, he saw what I was about. He said, you know, he told me, you're very entrepreneurial, especially since I convinced him to put music on the show. You know, that was my <laughs> idea. So, so I could sing and get a record contract and actually do something outside the show. Um, and he respected that. And uh, But he, he said, you know, you've got all these qualities, and you should, you know, take it seriously. So, yeah, he was a big inspiration in terms of giving me the confidence to move forward with ideas and and
0: and uh here on downtown with the characters that became beloved on happy days people might forget that many of those characters originated on a different series love american style
2: that's right well it really it didn't originate on Love american Style. they did a pilot called love and the happy days but i mean but you know actually it was called no actually it was called a tv comes into town or i forgot exactly what the title was there was no Fonzie in it. There was no Ralphie in it. Mr. C was played by a different actor. A different actress played Joni. So uh, it was much more like a summer of 42, a much softer pilot. And it didn't sell. So they aired it on Love American Style, you know, to get some of their money back for, the, for producing the pilot. And then a year later, American Graffiti came out. And there was a big hit on Broadway uh, called Grease. And ABC thought, hmm, maybe we should rethink this 50 show. Kind of idea, but this time Gary made it a much more, um, you know, much more, uh, much more like American Beauty. And thank goodness, created the Fonzie character, the Ralphie character. Um, uh, the, the actor playing Mr. Cunningham wasn't available, so Tom Bosley did it. So, and then Aaron Moran uh, took over for Joni, and the chemistry, the chemistry is up for magic. So, yeah, it's kind of it's very interesting how all that transpired.
0: I, I can't imagine what was it like for, for you guys, the younger members of the cast, when Happy Days became an instant phenomenon.
2: Yeah, well, it actually wasn't instant. Um, it started off popular. I think we were in the top twenty, and and we came in we came in mid-season that year, and uh, then the next year, we really went down. The second the second season we went down to 48th place in the ratings and that's when gary marshall and jerry paris our director decided to try changing the whole format into a three camera live audience show which changed the whole tone of the show so they moved henry forward and they changed it to a live audience show and that's when we became a phenomenon that's when we became the number one show in the world
0: and all these years later, Anson, the show endures. It remains popular. People have such great memories of it. Continue to watch it in reruns. What is it about that show that that's made it withstand the test of time?
2: Well, one, it was it was always old because it was always it was always a different time. Uh, but there was, I think, it's just great. First of all, great writing and funny and all that. But there's just something above the page with the chemistry of the cast. There's just some magic there. That just connected with the world, all sorts of different cultures, and you can't predict it. You really can't create it. It just happens. So there, there, there is an its fact to the show that just, um, is, is evergreen.
0: Well, you have an incredible resume as a director and some wonderful shows through the years. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Seventh Heaven, The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Around here, we're quite partial to the Star Trek series that you directed. When did you first become interested in working behind the camera?
2: Uh, early on during Happy Days. In fact, the first time uh, a film I created was produced, it was produced. It was a movie that we'd NBC NBC called um, Skyward, and it starred Bette Davis. And Ron and I, Ron Howard and I, exec produced it, Ron directed it, and uh, and that was my sort of first creative producing situation. And then as time went on, you know, I really, I kind of wanted to get more involved just in as a director. So I, was, I had other shows in development, and no one would really give me a shot directing. So I was able to uh, hire myself on a couple of shows that I created and sold, and developed uh, you know, pretty much you know, uh, went from acting to totally behind the camera in 1985.
0: Does your experience as an actor make you, uh, an actor's director, make you uh, better able to understand the needs of your actors? Oh,
2: 100%. Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, you, you, it's, you, you just know what you're going through, and you know the vulnerabilities and, and the pressures. and Absolutely. And they and, and actors understand that, too. So they're, they're kind of open for, you know, they're kind of open for, to connect with you because it, it, they know that I, I'm familiar with, you know, what they're going through.
0: And, uh,
2: and it also, I can also shorthand a lot of things, um, just having been there, you know,
0: the landscape of television has changed so much now with cable and streaming services. And in many ways there are more opportunities. It's not like in the days when you had to get picked up by a major network is it easier or harder to get work for actors and, and directors these days?
2: Oh, it's just different challenges. There's a lot of politics. A lot of politics now in directing and producing. Well, you have to. You know, it used to be who's the best. It's not who's the best anymore. It's what's politically correct, which kind of upsets me. I believe everyone should have equal opportunity, but the best should get the job, especially in the art world. Uh, so you know, it just makes it a little more challenging. The other thing is too. There's a lot of wonderful shows out there, but then there's also a lot that just kind of clutters up the place. And, uh, and, uh, and money-wise and all that, it's, it's gone down considerably. Um, so um, I, I would say it's a harder road these days.
0: If I look back at the shows that you've directed they're all they're all high quality programs so what do you look for yep. when you choose that assignment because you've been associated with really nothing but really good programs through the years.
2: Well, I've been lucky. I've been lucky that uh I was able to uh you know be able to learn my craft and be able to uh just be able to to work with certain people that uh I was able to continue to work with for years. So it's just wonderful to be able to work with such wonderful collaborators and uh yeah, and, you know, and, and make friendships, and, and, uh, we, you know, and we depend on each other.
0: So. We talked with Henry Winkler a while back, and, and sometimes when you're on a big hit show, uh, you want to move on and, and leave that in the past, but it seems like everybody involved with Happy Days uh, embraces that role that gave such a jump start to their careers. What is it about that time together that's uh, enabled all of you to still look at it as a special and meaningful time?
2: Well, it was just—I mean, we were all young. It was just such a wonderfully creative time, and also just a wonderful um, emotional connection with it. Just an amazing cast, and Gary also put together a softball team, and we're all ex-athletes. So, when we weren't doing the show, we'd be traveling all over the world doing charity softball games. You know, against the Marines, and we'd go to Okinawa and go against the Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force. Uh, we would do. Uh, charity games in every major state in the United States. I mean, you, 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 you know, you can't you can't make up those kind of wonderful experiences as teammates. And I was just, I mean, just you know, just moments that are outside of entertainment, and all that combined just made it, you know, a very special ongoing sea of
0: memory. Who is the best softball player on the Happy Days team? The best,
2: Don Most, Donnie. I think you can. Amazing athlete.
0: Wow. Well, uh, answered. it's wonderful to talk with you. We've uh, enjoyed your career for all these many years. We wish you much success with this important product, Alert Drops. Again, alertdrops.com for more information. Uh, keep yeah. up the great work in all the many aspects of your career. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. That is actor, director, and businessman Anson Williams with us here on Downtown the Podcast. Our thanks to Anson for joining us and for the great Bill Anderson as well. And thanks to you. Tell your friends, spread the word, leave us a nice review. We'd like that too. And subscribe if you're not already to Downtown the Podcast, brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.